How is Aretha doing? Aretha's doing all right. Just all right. Singing is sacred. And you shouldn't do it just because somebody wants you to. What's most important is that you are treated with dignity and respect. You're special, Ray. You have a talent they call genius. You think about trying to do to me. How old is she? She's 10, but her voice is going on 30, honey. How many albums have you had? Four. And no hits. I need you to focus and avoid frivolous distractions. Honey, find the songs that move you. Until you do that, you ain't going nowhere. I need a change. I want to sing what I want to sing. A single by this new chick named Aretha Franklin. Welcome to Cinemaholics. I'm John Negroni, as usual, host of the main show. And we have a special bonus episode for you all this week. Wanted to talk to somebody about the new movie, Respect. Somebody who is a huge fan of Aretha Franklin. And I, I think that this conversation will be blessed tremendously by her insights. So I'm happy to welcome for the first time to Cinemaholics, the film critic for... All kinds of outlets. You know her from Cup of Soul show. She's also written for Remezcla, Digital Spy, the Philly Tribune. It's Katya Woods. Hi, Katya. Hi. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here, um, especially because, you know, we were talking about this movie. I think we saw it around the same time. And, you know, I read your review for the Philly Tribune. And I really appreciated your perspective because you are definitely like a huge, huge fan of Aretha Franklin. So let's talk about that real quick. So what, what was your your knowledge of this this artist as like you were going into this essentially biopic about her life, although arguably biopic in some ways? Um, her music was introduced to me by my mother, just playing it around the house, playing it um, when we would clean house. And, you know, um, like a lot of people, you would throw on music that you like and then you know, that would help you get the task done. And over the years, she it's just something that resonated me with me. You know what I mean? And then on my own, I was like, there's something about this woman, her voice. And then um, I'm a 70s baby. So I came in probably like Sparkle. And then I went back to her earlier works and even listened to some stuff with Columbia and you're like, oh God, that's so not her. <laughs> but then did research on my own. And I also worked at a record store when I was younger. So I used to be like, people always thought, you know, you're younger, you only know music that is, um, you know, current music, music from your age group. But I was like, no, no, we, we, we can talk about this stuff too. Um, and people would always be amazed, you know what I mean? And I was always in awe of the fact she's one of the few artists that had a seven, eight decade career. Like she literally would have a song on the charts in every decade, do you know what yeah. I mean? Which is, it's hard enough to do it for one decade, but she was just a musical ch chameleon and she could sing rock, soul, 
gospel and she did and also like if you look at certain interviews of her uh she's a little shady like all divas and um opinionated but in a fun way like not in a hurtful way and uh, it's just something about her music and and you know when i was going through a dark time in my life it's that music that helped me cope there's just something very comforting about her because you also know she's a woman that has gone through stuff Absolutely. Yeah. I, when Amazing Grace, the documentary came out, which is fantastic. Anybody who's interested in this movie should go see that documentary, I hope. But I was going through a kind of a dark time when I that <laughs> documentary had come out and it was such a beautiful experience watching it. And, it, you know, her, her gospel record that she just was like un compromising in terms of like what she wanted to sing and how she wanted to do it. That's the thing that really sticks out to me for, you know, when I think of her as an artist and my experience with her music. So I, I had high expectations for respect. I, I think a lot of people were kind of ready to write this one off. I mean, it, a lot of music biographical films, they tend to have a lot of the same tropes and cliches. And I totally understand that. I get, I, I, I won't say that I'm immune to feeling tired and exhausted by this genre in a lot of ways, but I was like, okay, if we're going to get a movie like this, I'm glad that it's about Franklin. I hope they do it right. Uh, we're getting this from first-time feature director, uh, Liza Tommy, who, better known on the stage, Tony Award-winning play uh, stage director. And the screenplay is from Tracy Scott Wilson. And of course, this film stars Jennifer Hudson, who plays the adult Aretha Franklin. And she's played as a young child by Sky Dakota Turner. So we spend most of this movie in, I, th I think like the first like 20 years of like the first two chapters, I think you said in your review of Aretha Franklin's career, um, starting with her as a kid, you know, singing to different people that were around the orbit of her father, played by Forrest Whitaker. And then we see her transition to being like a civil rights activist, uh, bringing her music alongside Martin Luther King Jr., and then starting her career at Columbia Records and, and just sort of going on this, in my opinion, kind of unconventional journey compared to a lot of things we see in musical biopics. There's usually like that part where there's like a montage and we see all the records and they're like instantly famous. But with this movie, it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more of like, okay, she was put, you know putting out albums, but she wasn't like an overnight success necessarily. Um, so that's that's kind of the structure of this, this movie. Um, it's narrative. It has Jennifer Hudson really blasting out this music in her own way. So Katya, what did you, what do you think of how they, how they did this one? Okay. Couple of things. I think it's important for people that are not familiar to her story and the importance of how the black church played in her life. And also for people that are not familiar with CL Franklin, who was a mega superstar amongst preachers, like, Think Joel Osteen, but not on TV, right? So that was within itself. So she grew up in a household under the shadow of someone who was so um, famous and so known and, and, and such a pillar of the community and very strict biblical, even though he did not always you know, display those ideologies. So I think that's good. The part that in the beginning that I have an issue with is Nathan Franklin got pregnant at 12. And I think you can handle that without it being salacious and judgmental because this is a fact of life. 
I mean, it happens. It's an ideal, but it's something that happened to her and there is trauma involved. Trauma that affected her into her adulthood. You know what I mean? She had two children by the time she was 15 years old. Yeah. So it's a combination of rebellion. Also, um, I think you also got a good understanding that while she grew up in the strict household, it wasn't very like in terms of supervisor, people were coming in and out. Do you know what I mean? Like as a parent, you probably look at it and be like, wow, there's a lot of people in and out. And he's bringing this young child amongst all these adults. There's no boundaries. Do you know what I mean? So I think that needed to be a little clearer because people that I know that weren't familiar with that part of her looked at that and were like, what? So where did this other kid come from? And what is what? And did they talk about it? Who knew? Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Now, allegedly, she told her grandmother. And her grandmother is the one that was a salve. And she went to school and did everything up until she gave birth. And she went back to school after she gave birth. But we don't have a clear understanding. Again, you don't have to spend an hour on that. But there should have been a smoother explanation to what was going on there. Yeah. But but I did like, one thing I liked that this movie did better than the series is, um, showing her relationship with her mother. There's so much of her father mentioned and, and understandably so, but her mother was very much present in her life. She got her gift of voice from her mother and, um, you know, her mother left, not her children. She left an abusive situation, two different things. And I'm not too sure. Again, that was very clear for people because people probably like, well, why is her mother over here? And why does he have the kids that again was a little befuddled, but other than that, I don't, I don't have an issue with how it began. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. bit murky, and it's hard too because I've I've tried to talk to people a little bit about why they think uh, some of this stuff might be a little bit less detailed, and if that, you know, some some people have speculated it's because Franklin herself was involved with the project, and maybe she had specific instructions for you know, what to say, what not to sensationalize, you know, it's, it's hard to say for sure though. It, it could be one of those things where it was the director or the writer's call to just leave it out when they were finishing up the movie for whatever reason. I do think it does, yeah, in a way kind of do a disservice to showing the full picture. But one thing I like about the movie that, you know, I do go back and forth on sometimes I struggle with it actually a little bit is the sort of you know, that balance, like you said, between her spirituality and her connection to the church comes through in this movie. But the movie is also not shy to show how that background allowed for the darkness in her life to sort of take hold. And the movie kind of goes into this weird balancing of, is it, that, you know, there's this thing called like a, a demon that sort of like pushes her to do things or, you know, have certain abuses, uh, uh, substance abuses, I should say. And it's not entirely clear and maybe purposely so like, is it a result of the trauma? Is it a result of that rebellion? You know, what is it that is like triggering this? And at times the movie is sort of saying it's like this nebulous spiritual thing and, and only spirituality will solve it. And I'm glad that it's not fully saying that, but at times I wonder, you know, especially by the time we get to the end, if it is sort of implying that it's not her sort of rising up and taking control, it's just this sort of blind faith, which doesn't really match what most of the movie is saying. And it, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm seeing some people sort of say this movie, oh, it's just another biopic. I'm like, well, there's actually some interesting stuff going on here that's worth talking about, good or bad. Um, I'm curious if you had any thoughts about that. 
Well, we got to talk about the role of the black church, right? I've said that in, in, in my review. Church folk don't like to, and we are raised as black people. We don't talk, and I think Latinx people too. We don't talk about the mess that goes on in our house, outside of our house, yeah. no matter how messy it is. Church folks really don't talk about the stuff that goes on in our home with the general public. So while people knew what was going on wasn't right, they kind of were like, that ain't none of our business. That's what's going on in their house. We worry about what's going on in our house. What was more important was that the leadership role that CL had, what he was doing for the people in terms of civil rights. They were like, we have to think bigger picture. And the messenger is highly flawed, but he's doing more good than bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons that black people, especially with that generation, um, that's like my mother's generation, are raised very much that you carry everything close to the vest. Remember, we didn't, mental health was definitely not something you talked about. If something horrible happened to you, you prayed on it. You didn't go see a psychiatrist. You didn't discuss your trauma. Treatment and all of that were not things that black people did or talked about. So I agree with you. If you're not familiar with the culture of church, so to say, especially black church of, you know, how we sweep everything under the rug, then it's going to seem befuddled to you and conflicting. And in, in, in rightfully so, I like what you said is it's her spirituality, like them calling it a demon is making it seem like it was her problem, something within her that she did was wrong instead of saying this was something that was done to you and you were too young and you didn't have the words and no one ever explained to you that you were not at fault. So I, I agree with you. Um, that's definitely an interesting way. But again, if you're not familiar with how that situation operates, right. And also on top of that, we got to remember she's a woman and church, black church still to this day is very much a man's world. So you got all these 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 other things going on. But I agree with you. Um, there was an opportunity to educate about something we're still struggling with, which is faith, your relationship with God, and then the clergy and church, which for a lot of people are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's just it frustrates me a little bit. Some of the reviews I'm seeing that treat this like none of that is very relevant, you know, or that like, it's just a straightforward, there's no subtext or anything to the story. And I'm like, well, it's there. Like you, you know, I, know, I understand people don't love the film. Um, I, I see a lot of flaws for sure that are worth talking about and dissecting, but there is something to dissect, I guess. Uh, one thing though, that I think a lot of people are agreeing on is that this is a good Jennifer Hudson performance, um, at times a great one. And I liked it all the way through. I think though, you know, I read your review and I'll let you speak to it. I, I really agree with some of your sharper criticisms about where she, she doesn't quite capture exactly what Franklin was like. And it, it's a hard thing to do. And I think that you articulated it pretty well when you mentioned just how Franklin, like I, for me, it was hard to like put words to it. Cause I'm like, it's just, it's not quite right. Like I see Jennifer Hudson. I don't really see her disappearing into Aretha Franklin. It's, it's an amazingly hard thing to do. I think she gives it her all and delivers a really great performance in her own right. But yeah, what, what was your stance on how Jennifer Hudson brings the character to life or does it? Well, there's two parts, right? We, we can't, there's no issue with her singing. The girl can sing the phone book and it would sound good. She has the pipes, she has the range. And I commend her for singing live for not, 
doing the recordings, you know what I mean? Or her trying to capture the essence of the vocal um, physics here of what Aretha Franklin was capable of, right? And I think she got that. The other thing is, though, this Aretha Franklin is very sad and depressed and stoic and very, like, there is no spunk. And I get that the time period that we're seeing her, she is going through a lot and she's stressed, but we don't see any joy. You know what I mean? Even in the little, like, I'm thinking to myself, you mean to tell me she didn't kiki and haha with her sisters? Do you know what I mean? In those conversations to just see the camaraderie outside of a work environment between the three women. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or just overall, her, she was a person, again, if you look at interviews, she liked soap operas. She liked uh, like gossipy stuff, not like, you know, horrible, but, you know, normal girl, gossipy girl. Did you know person down the street, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. There was none of that spunk in there. You know what I mean? And again, I get that they, they are dealing with some things, but I felt like there was a one dimensional person that we got. We didn't get any joy out of her. And um, I also feel that um, I wanted Jennifer just to dig a little deeper. Like I was still getting a lot of Jennifer as Aretha Franklin. I was not getting Aretha Franklin. Like she didn't disappear. Like I, there was no point in this movie where I thought I'm looking at Aretha Franklin. Right. Yeah. And and she spends a lot of the movie too, you know, they focus a lot on her being just terrorized by Ted White, her first husband played by Marlon Wayans here. Good performance from Marlon Wayans. I mean, he's genuinely terrifying and it's obviously in a, a crucial part of her story. I don't know how I feel about so much of this movie really just really like bending to his abuse toward her. Not that that shouldn't be in there, but yeah, I guess it's just hard to watch. Like, obviously. And yeah, what, what, did, what did you think of how they, they balanced that with some of the musical stuff? Because the things I loved about this movie were being in the recording studio, like the little of it we got with her and Muscle Shoals, with her sisters making music. And I wanted more of that and way less Ted White. Me, that's just me personally. I agree with you. I think it was important because they only got to record, I believe, two songs while they were on Muscle Shelf because of his shenanigans, right? Right. Yeah. But at the same token, and I'm not going to negate the racial environment that we had in this in this country around that time. The fact that it was South Carolina, which in itself, you know what I mean? This studio or this road of studio is past cotton fields. You know what I mean? People were still out there picking cotton. So it's a lot of stuff to take in where you like, what in the world? Why am I down here? And this ain't looking right or feeling right. However... There was no context to why, with all of that going on that you see, this place produced some of the best soul music in America, period. Like there were people, the Rolling Stones went to muscle shows off of what they heard on these Aretha Franklin records. They wanted to make an album and catch with those types of musicians and catch those vibes because that's what they thought soul music was, American music was. Do you know what I mean? And um, anybody who's ever been down there said it's there's not much. It's these studios, you know, your local corner store and all whatever here, there. And that's the industry. So I think I agree with you is how did Jerry know that this was the right situation for her? 
especially racial tensions, them being white musicians, her being a black artist, her having traveled the South with her with her father to do, you know, these 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 um these church tour and, and, and civil rights and all of that, her perception of the South was completely different. And then she's like, wait a minute, you want me to make music with these guys down here? What are you doing? Like, there's no, we don't get the gel other than, oh, these are good guys and they make good music. Right. Okay, right. but why? Why this instead of New York where everybody was recording? And again, it, it, it's it's the turnaround the songs that let her be the artist that we know and love. Right. Because they had her like, singing all these bad ballads, these ballads that did nothing for her voice. Right. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Like those are the scenes that stick out because it's her controlling the room. And it's it's definitely a shame that we don't get as much of that as we do. Now the movie's super long. <laughs> it's 145 minutes, and there's a lot we didn't get to. I mean, there's Mark Marin who plays Wexler. We have Titus Burgess, who kind of bookends the film. We see him when she's a child. And then again, um, for her gospel record, Mary J. Blige also has kind of, you know, she shows up a couple of times, but she has her own sort of standout moment in this movie that kind of had me just sort of like sitting up, like, oh, okay. You know, that's not what I expected um, in a good way. Um, but all that said, uh, any any final words you wanted to say about this movie? I mean, I'll say I, I like this movie. And I, I think that despite all of its flaws, I think that it, it delivers sort of its own sort of set of, you know, mission, you know, statements. It, I don't think it fully captures Aretha Franklin in any way. But I do think like for people who don't know her well or maybe just need like a starter for her career and they're maybe nervous about just watching the Amazing Grace documentary, this is a great companion piece. I would definitely watch both of those things and then get deeper into her career, look more into her 70s work especially, and definitely don't treat this as the end-all, be-all of Rita Franklin movie. That's my only advice to people. But uh, what about you? Who, do you? who do you think this movie is for? I think I have a love and hate relationship. I love certain parts of it, like Marlon and and Forrest, who is insanely good. He's always good. And I like Wexler, and I wish we would have had more of Titus because the Reverend Cleveland, again, was such a vital part of her life. Um, and, and, and I wish we would have spent less time on certain things and included some other things, but I agree with you. If you are a person that came here from planet nowhere and never knew anything about Aretha Franklin, this gives you some context. And I hope the people that, that I think about like my daughter's generation, right. Who know her from the inauguration, who know her from Kennedy center honors, who know her from the Grammys, who don't know the Aretha prior to that. Right. I hope it propels them to want to learn more, whether it's YouTube, there's a great biography out, uh, a couple of books out on her to really get the whole, um, whole essence of who this absolutely amazing artist is and listen to her music, like listen to those original early recordings, you know, on whatever streaming device, like the, the stuff with the little, you know, like you, it's not perfect. But it helps you set the the ambiance of 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 everything that's going on, and that music is timeless. You can still play like I, everybody knows one Aretha Franklin song, and I don't care if you're like that's my jam or not. But you know one song, and all of a sudden you find yourself singing along, and that is the the music is the one thing that I will say is is great. And and Jennifer did sing her heart out. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, I had mentioned, I think I tweeted this out, was that I was listening to the albums on repeat on the way home. Um, hard not to after you see this movie, but that is respect. Uh, it's playing right now in theaters in the United States through United Artists. If you're listening internationally, it's available through Universal Pictures. As always, be safe and exercise caution, of course. But yeah, if you're interested in the movie, uh, definitely let us know what you think of Respect, uh, as always, on our social media. Um, definitely follow Katya on Twitter. We'll, we'll put your, your tweet link in the show notes of this episode. But Katya, thanks so much for joining us for the show. It was a pleasure having you. Listen, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's not hard to get me to talk about Miss Franklin. She, she's a hoot. And um, again, I'm so glad that the upside that this is revitalizing interest in her catalog. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.